0: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees, with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee, and whatever else
1: that comes up. All right! Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how are you doing today?
2: I am great. How are you, Randy?
1: I'm doing fabulous, and I know you're doing great, because when this episode is actually released, you will have already had a whole day jamming at Virginia State's, hanging out at Shelter H, enjoying your lost weekend, and I know that the live stream will have already happened on Saturday. But if folks get to this podcast early enough on Sunday when it's released, they will have a chance to see the live stream finals happening on Sunday. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. We will be live streaming the finals on Sunday. Of course, the internet there is usually pretty slow. So my plan is to uh, lower the resolution of the stream so that hopefully it won't be choppy. You'll actually get to see what's going on, but it won't be quite as clear. Uh, That's the plan. And then I'm going to record everything. So we'll post it up later just in case the plan doesn't go as planned
1: i think uh just from what i remember in the past years finals on sunday usually happens around 3 p.m 4 p.m eastern standard time so keep that in mind if like i say you happen to hear this episode and uh it's before the live stream has started, so that's going to be really cool. So with that, what do we have on the docket today, Jake? Yeah, we are
2: continuing our conversation with Rick Castiglia. He's going to give us some insight into why the Coloradicals stopped playing together. So let's listen.
0: We were the first world champions that ever come out of Colorado, and then after that, the Avalanche won, you know, but... <laughs> we were the first team from Colorado to ever win a world championship. So That's that was kind of a cool thing. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, why did the Coloradicals break up as a team? I never really knew how come you guys stopped playing together.
0: Well, I ended up, um, you know, once I moved to Fort Collins, there, at, you know, Stacy ended up graduating, moved out to, and then we moved to San Diego and we started doing shows at SeaWorld and Disneyland once we moved into California. And so I kind of got, Out of touch with them. I mean, I think we played in a few after that. But Bill and I played in a. I think we won a um, the U.S. Open actually, and that was that was pretty amazing. I don't know. We all kind of went our own way. You know, it's just like the Beatles. They broke up, and we we broke up. We didn't really break up. We just you know we moved on in different areas. Bill had a store. Doug moved on, and and I just moved to San Diego, and we kind of just got out of touch. And that's you know I started really focusing on on mixed pairs. And then I started playing with Joel and Dave, you know, as as the time went on. But you know, it was just it it was just time. Everybody had different places to go and things to do, and um, you know, nothing nothing lasts forever, Randy.
1: (laughs) It's true, Dad. True, Dad. So really, you're kind of the move with Stacy, Stacy Anderson, Stacy McCarthy now. Uh, But so you guys uh, were partners and then moved to San Diego. So I can see how that would sort of be an ending point of you guys being a team you're just not living in the same city right and that was tough
0: yeah that that was the main reason you know when we when you live someplace with two other guys it's easy to get together and practice i mean i had a place right by city park by the lake and they would come over every day and we'd go right behind my house and there was a you know big green grassy field and we would practice and practice and come to my house and drink something and then go back and it it was just it was just easy you know once I moved away it was a little bit harder to kind of get together we really couldn't really work on anything I mean we had three or four routines that we could throw out there you know to different music but you know it was just time to move on and Bill moved on and shoot he was doing juggling stuff and doing shows with Larry and and Steve Hubbard and we were still really really good friends but we, we understood that you know we were all moving on and Spread the jam someplace else, you know, and that's what happened. You know, La Jolla in San Diego became the Mecca for a while. You know, on a Friday afternoon, you could see 20 people out there at the Cove. You know, I've got an interesting story. I was I was going to tell you some of my most memorable jams. Is that one of your questions
2: yeah. at all? Should I wait on that? Throw it out there. Let's hear it.
0: I had a, I've had had a lot of really, really memorable jams, and I think that's just something I'd really like to hear people talk about. Um, one of them was, God, it was back. It must have been... 80-something or other. It was back in Philadelphia. It was with Joey. It was raining. And we were all waiting to go out, and it was raining. So we were kind of waiting, and Joey's like, hey, let's go out and play. We started jamming. There was some music, and it was raining on us, just kind of sprinkling. But it made our arms really slick, you know, so we could do all these kind of skids and stuff. And I remember just jamming with Joey, and boom, he'd do a move and a catch. Throw it back to me. Do a big move and a catch. Go back to him. But, you know, we went on for – five or ten minutes without dropping it and and just these amazing jams and skids and tips and everything and and that's that's one that stands out in my in my mind is uh is that jam with joey you know obviously he was he's he was the the god at the time and you know everybody knew it but i felt like i could keep up with him and you know and and so that was a memorable jam and the other one that i want to talk about (laughs) You know, obviously I had some great jams with Doug and Bill and Stacy and Hubby and Lairbs and Skippy and everybody, you know, we've had some epic jams. But the one that really stands out is in La Jolla, you know, it was a summer day and Peter Laubert calls me up and he goes, hey, man, can you come out to the Cove? I got the day off and it was a Friday afternoon. Can you come out and can you get here before like two o'clock before everybody shows up and we we could jam before the mob op happens? And I was like, I don't know if I can get off work. So I I. You know, back then you could ride your bike along the coast, and so I rode my bike to the to the to the cove, and and he's there, and you know, Pete's smoking a cigarette and lighting up a doobie, and uh, yeah, I just got by, I just got back from Schiller's, and hey man, you got to try this out. So i I'm, I'm I'm you know, it's legal here in Colorado, so I can talk about this now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we get prepared, and he's got his box there, so he puts out this he puts the music on, and we start jamming. And, you know, we're not dropping it. And it's, the music is just great. You know, it's um, some reggae stuff, some some Stevie Wonder. It's, it's He yeah, had just a great variety of music. And all of a sudden, these people, you have got you guys have been to the Cove, haven't you?
2: Yes, definitely. Okay.
0: Yes. You know that. So that one area right at the Cove, really green grass here. And then there's that, that walk that goes right along the coast there. And all of a sudden, I mean, we must have had 20 or 30 people lined up there just cheering us on. You know, Pete, I don't know if you guys got to jam much with Pete, but he was really a consistent player, could throw great Z's, and he knew how to co op. He just knew how to entertain people. I swear to God, I mean, three or four songs go by, we have not dropped the disc, and we're doing every possible move we could do reverse, flamingo, the spinning guidance, you know, and co op. So we'd never done it before, and we're looking at each other going, oh my God, this is amazing, you know, and all these people are cheering us on, and you know we finally got to the end, and we did this big roll combination with one of us jumping in the air, and guy just catching it and stuff, and we stopped, and then these people cheered, but that was my a very memorable time, you know, I, and I've had a few of them there with JJ and and Dave Murphy and Joel and Schiller, and it's just an amazing place to play, but that's the one that really sticks out on my mind the most. And, you know, God bless Peter, Peter Laubert and, um, rest in peace, buddy. But, uh, he was, he was an amazing, amazing
1: player. Rest in peace there, Peter Laubert.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it, it was, it's, it was sad to hear wh- about Pete, but, uh, yeah, you know, and, and with Jim Schmall or Jim Benson, I, I had some great jams with him. You know, San Diego like I said was just the mech at the time. I mean, you could go out at any time on the beach and or at the cove and find somebody and just have an amazing jam, you know.
1: So was that the draw for you and Stacy to move to San Diego was the uh, the jam scene there?
0: Yeah, I mean, part of it was. We knew Larry had just moved there and uh, Donnie Wallace was here and JJ and you know, we'd gone out to visit and we just knew that, that you know, it was just kind of got tired of the, of the cold in Colorado and you know, 72 degrees year round. I mean, you could live in shorts, and I lived 20 steps from the beach, and it was it was just a different experience. You know, it was time. You know, and like I said, we we got had a chance to work at Sea World for a couple of years, and then at Disneyland, where I worked, where uh, Steve Hubbard worked with us, at a thing called Blast of the Past, and then we worked with a with a band kind of like the Beach Boys and uh, you know you can see all this all this
1: stuff on online now could you talk a little bit about your partnership with Stacy and how that evolved and and how you guys started doing shows I mean that kind of you guys were kind of making a living playing Frisbee is that right
0: yeah you know I first I, I met Stacy at uh, I had just moved to Fort Collins I came back from a tournament and I was with Joe Fisher you guys know remember Joe Fisher he was a friend of ours and he had moved to Fort Collins when he said hey man I'm going to a party you want to come with me and so I was like okay so we went to this party and we are all dancing and i looked over and i we saw stacy and i i can tell you even i can even remember she was wearing red pants you know those are the kind of things you remember i guess i got to, i met her and and we said hey we're gonna play frisbee. you want to come out and she was actually a swimmer there she was on a scholarship to swim and so she was a pretty good athlete herself you know and, and uh she came out and, you know, God, from day one, I teaching her how to delay and, and and a bunch of, a couple of her friends came out with her and we were teaching her, but she kind of excelled at it, you know, being an athlete that she was. And uh, we just got together, we hooked up. And then I uh, asked her if she wanted to go to a tournament and we drove out to California. I think I remember in her little yellow Toyota truck. So we, we started jamming together and, you know, taught her how to throw the disc and how to delay it. And she just, uh, and then once. She kind of got good as she started hooking up with Carolyn Yabi, um, and she, uh, her and Yabi, started putting together routines and started going out and women, winning women's, you know. And once we moved to California, we had an opportunity to um, do a bunch of demos. You know, we we worked together for God like eight years out there and doing show you know a lot of school assemblies a lot of um a lot of football games just all different kinds of shows we we would do these private parties in in palm springs these private like beach parties that were catered and they wanted you know some kind of team to come out and and do different types of shows and you know there were skateboarders and we were the frisbee players and and the bmx bikers and we kind of worked on different types of routines doing all these other shows. And then we took it to the field, you know, we used a lot of our stuff from different routines that we worked on at, at SeaWorld and Disneyland, and then took them to, um, took them to different
1: tournaments and played there. What would you get paid for doing a gig like that? Do you remember the dollars you were making back sure. then? Sure, like which ones? <laughs> well, like the Palm Springs gig. So you guys are there doing a Palm Springs gig. Like what would you guys get paid so for it, something it like that? We would get 500
0: bucks, between three and $500 to go out and do a three-hour, you know, we would mingle with the crowd and stuff and have do delays. And then we'd have our own little show that we would do. So we made pretty good money. The, the most money we made really was Disneyland. You know, we would do four shows a day. Maybe I think there were 20 minutes a piece, you know, we'd make 200 bucks a day kind of thing. You know, those were those were the good type of things. And then then we would do school demos where you would only make, you know, 100 bucks. Yeah. So I mean, we could make a living doing it, you know, and plus we had, you know, Nike would sponsor us or FootJoy would sponsor us or New Balance would sponsor us. You know, we wouldn't get a lot of money from them, but, we, you know, we'd get all the product and stuff we needed. So we never had to buy clothes or shoes or anything like that, which was nice as time went on. And uh, she was a great partner. And, you know, we, we had a lot of good times together.
2: So you were uh, a member of a great co-op team called the Coloradicals, but you were also a member of another great co-op team called the Art of Disc. So, And yeah. they formed in San Diego, uh, which is what we were just talking about. So can you talk a little bit about the formation of that team and, uh, and how, it, how it grew?
0: Yeah, I think at the time, um, Joel and Dave might have been playing pairs together, that Joel is. Rogers and Dave Schiller. You know. And at that time, Joel had moved out from Tennessee with Kim. And Dave moved out too. And he his his original partner was Bob Coleman. I got I got to do props to Bob Coleman, who turnover master. I mean, he he was the guy that neurons, man, that was his thing. You know, bending the neurons around on the camera, but that but. I got a lot of stuff from him too so he he was an innovator as far as the turnovers came you know i could do the basic one-handed turnover but he was he brought a whole different meaning to the to the sport of freestyle through turnovers but anyway um so those two guys had moved moved to uh, san diego and you know we would always get together play at the cove or or at the shores and you know there was just one time that we all got together and we looked at each other and said hey man you know let's try and maybe we can put a routine together so i had i had uh, broken up with stacy and she had moved on and i and i had moved on and kate dow had a friend her name was jennifer jenkins and that she actually became my girlfriend for a while and they all hung out together at a house in in uh just outside of del mar and so joel and kim and dave and would always come there and uh, we just started working on stuff together and thought, hey, let's put a routine together and uh, I think we could make make some noise in, in freestyle. And I can't remember, it might have, there was a song or uh, uh, by a group called Art of Noise or something like that, or something like, I can't remember to tell you the truth, how it all came about. Um, but we thought the name Art of Disc, you know, Kim might have even came up with that name, but I can't really remember. But uh you know, at that time, Joel was an amazing player. Could do both spins, everything. Same with Schiller. You know, his foot delay. I think at one time Dave Schiller was the best player on the planet. He could do any kind of move. And I, you know, and I noticed that, and I was like, God, I think if I could take both of these guys and we all put put our thoughts together and put music together and get a routine together, we could, you know, we could do really well. So we started hanging out a lot together. Nothing, nothing really. You know, exciting to say about it. We just were all in the same city together, and and uh, liked to work and practice together, and we just had some good chemistry. We really did. We we were almost like a little family, all of us together. You know, we were in our little separate area. You know, and that's when Murph and Jim Schmall and Peter Laubert were playing together. So really, it was there really wasn't anybody else doing co-op. So we, g- we got together and uh, it was really easy to play with those guys, you know, because you know, it was fun working on routines and fun traveling with them. And, you know, you can't find a better, a better pair than Joel or Dave. So.
1: Yeah. And you guys did make a little noise too. So let's, let's remember that. So what were yeah. some of those tournament experiences like with them and, and you guys making some noise?
0: Um, It was, it, it was great. Uh, like I said, they, um, they were wonderful players. They they could do both spins. You know, Dave could delay the disc on his foot, a <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, toe jam. <laughs> he could toe jam, and so you know, and the, those guys had already had routines that they had put together, and they kind of just incorporated me in. It. You know, we I thought, well, maybe if we use three discs, I can go back and forth with them. You know, and that's when we first I don't know I hadn't seen anybody do that yet, where we took two discs and I'd do a call op with Joel and I'd I'd run over to Dave. They'd do a co op there and then go back to Joel, and then Joel and Dave would do a co op, and I'd be over here with the other disc. And that seemed to be, that seemed to work for us, you know. And the music that we used, and, you
1: know, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was cool. I mean, you guys won a couple FPA titles, right? Yeah.
0: We did. We did. 89 and 90.
2: You guys won in 1989 and in 1990. No, no. Oh, was it? Is that what it was? It's on on the FPA titles page. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's when it was. God, I'm just—it's just you know—I've been out of it for so long, and it wasn't like I wanted to get out of of, of Frisbee. It was just a, a new chapter in my life, you know. I'd come back and and moved to back to Colorado and started really jamming with Larry, and we went to Wisconsin and we won a couple of tournaments. That's where my wife's from, and and we came back and you know, and I had I had I had kids. I had have a job. I had to you know I had mm-hmm. to provide. I start working a lot, and so. It, you know, I, I I would still jam, but as time went on, man, my body just couldn't take it anymore. My I, I have to get two new knees. You know, I probably need a new hip. <laughs> I'm sixty years old, man. You know, I'm old.
1: I'm an That's old jammer. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. You're sixty. I just you know to wrap my brain around that. I mean, I've known you a long time, Rick, and just like, wow, you're sixty. Like,
0: you I know.
1: Just- I look in the mirror and I'm like, who is that guy looking back at me? I don't know who that is. I'm sure you have that same thing.
0: <laughs> I do. You know, I'm I'm not Great. as I'm not I'm not I'm not fully gray yet, but I, you know, I still got some dark. At least I have all my hair still. I have, still have my killer <laughs> hairs. You know, I just I just knew it was time to kind of grow up and, and I got into music. You know, I was always into music, so I was in a band and I played bass in a band for a good ten years and it, it was just hard to get to tournaments. You know, it's just mm-hmm. I just. You know, I was the kind of guy that if I was going to go to a tournament, I wanted to have a routine. I wanted to have music. I had a routine. I just didn't want to go to a tournament, hook up with somebody and just go out and play. I just couldn't get motivated doing that, you know. I wanted wanted to have a routine. And it was just hard to find people to do that here. I mean, there was Larry, you know, Larry and Bill. And, you know, we played in some tournaments together. But, you know, they went off. You know, Bill's life is, is Frisbee and the sport and everything. And Larry, you know, he's he's going to be a kid for the rest of his life. You know, he's, he's in great shape. So he was able to play. And, you know, I just had to, I just had to kind of bow for a little while and uh, do my music thing and play ball golf. (laughs) Well, (laughs) only thing I could do without it hurting.
1: Well, you've had an amazing career as a freestyler. and, And so let me ask you this, if you had to do it over again, what would you change?
0: Oh, I wouldn't change anything. Wouldn't change a darn thing. I had, you know, I was blessed. I grew up, had a great family, you know, great high school, loved high school, loved college, you know, all my friends. Shoot, I even wrote a song about it. I've got a song. So I'm going to try and come out to Seattle in 2019. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Is That's that, are, great. Are you guys putting that tournament on?
2: Ryan Young is putting that tournament on.
0: Oh, okay. Ryan Young. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I think because Bill was saying, you know, we got to go out to 2019 Seattle and, and be all big part of the Hall of Fame thing out there. That's where they you know, the, the introduction and stuff like that. So, um, I've been working on a song about our, about our travels. It's a little three chord blues song, but, uh, one of these days, uh, hopefully you guys will hear it.
1: Well, maybe that is something that you can do when you give your speech at the induction to the hall of fame, you can do your song. I think that'd be pretty appropriate.
0: That's, and that's what Bill said. He goes, well, we're going to have to learn it. So I've, I've incorporated a, a harmonica part in there for Bill.
1: Well, I'm counting on hearing that song, Rick. So I'm hoping that you and Bill are practicing because I'm looking forward to hearing it at that induction ceremony. And I think the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is going to be epic. In fact, uh, it's even worth the price of admission. Even if you're not competing at Seattle Worlds this year, this class is unbelievable. And I know that a lot of folks are making the trip so that they can be inducted in person. And uh, it's going to be super exciting. I can't wait to to see it go down.
2: Yeah, I can't wait either. In fact, I remember the previous induction and just listening to some of, the, some of the greats speak. They just had some really great wisdom to impart. And yeah, it was just really fun to hear. So I'm really looking forward to what this class has to say and to just honoring them.
1: New York uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony, the initial Hall of Fame inductees. And that was one of my favorite moments uh, of all Frisbee playing, uh, being. It was just super emotional. Like, wow, we've got some real depth and and time spent doing this. You have to have been playing for 40 years to even be considered for the Hall of Fame so we're actually laying down some some fairly good history here in such a short little bit of time.
2: I think it speaks to our sport and the longevity of the players that, that we've set the bar at 40 years to make it into the Hall of Fame. Like people are still competitive and still great in the sport well into their 50s and 60s so pretty cool. That's one of the things that keeps me playing because I think it keeps me young. So anyhow, uh, I just wanted to, before we sign off, I just wanted to promote the next live stream after Virginia that's coming up, which is uh, The Jammers. It's the 22nd annual and it will be taking place on Jacksonville Beach on May 18th. So tune in. Don't miss it. It's going to be great.
1: I'm looking forward to that. And Jake, on that note, you have a great time at Virginia State's on today, which would be Sunday. And I'll talk to you next time. Yeah, talk to you next time.